You're listening to Just Hit Play with your hosts, Peter and Nick Cabral. If you're tired of your stagnant, streamed music feed, then strap yourselves in for an intergenerational sonic journey through Peter and Nick's favourite songs. Welcome to episode 65 of Just Hit Play. I'm your host, Peter. With me is Nick. Nick, how you doing? Doing quite well. It's the We're running down the end of summer, and yes. I'm looking forward to moving moving to a new school and all those exciting things so yeah i'm just feeling really optimistic and excited for everything right now yeah when do you move i uh, today we're recording on the 19th so september 1st two weeks basically so you have to pack yeah that'll be like a few days before thing yeah, yeah. well we'll have to figure out when I'm going to get there, because I was talking to my buddy, Andrew, who also lives in Toronto. And what I might do is I might rent a, an Airbnb for a few days and we'll have to work out uh, when we're going to record an episode in person, or at least maybe an episode or two episodes in person. So that'll be fun. Yeah. I'm really excited for that one. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Darren will have to uh, work his, his magic when we're both overseas, but uh, that'll be fine. How are you doing, Darren? I'm doing good. Cool. Um, if you can tell, I don't know if you can tell by listening to this, it's uh, very early in the morning here at 730 in the morning. This is my morning voice. I'm thinking it's a little huskier than normal. So if you're wondering why I sound even sexier than I usually do, it's because it's the morning. Just a tad. Just, Just a, a tad. tad. Yeah. I have a couple stories for you. Oh. I went to see a show a, a couple weeks ago. I saw Sugar Ross. And it was really, really good show. Now, I loved the show. I didn't like the people that were around me. There were just hipster douchebags around me. It was it was it was really off putting um, to be at that show with these people. Uh, like these two idiots were behind me. And uh, do you know? Have you ever heard Sugar Ross? Have you, do you know what they sound like? No, I've. I don't think I know this band at all. Yeah, they're like um, they're Icelandic, and they sing in either oh, they either sing in Icelandic oh. or they make up their own lyrics. Like they make up their own language. I should say. Yes, yes. No, no. I do know the band you're talking about. I just, I'd never heard it said aloud that they're, I'd never heard their name spoken. So I have no idea if that's even how you say their name. I, that's how I say the name. It could be completely different. I love them though. Uh, yeah. I'm not, not super familiar with their work, but they've got like eight songs that I love. The the atmosphere, the instruments, how, how they play their instruments. It's, it's brilliant. Uh, it's like listening to a movie soundtrack um, yeah. at the show. And they broke it up into two sections. So they did a section for about an hour and a half and then they came back and did another section. The problem, the problem was, it wasn't the band. They were fine. Um, I overheard these two guys saying like, Oh, it was like, Oh, that seventh chord was amazing. Like, you know, Oh, I couldn't believe they did that with the seventh chord. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> and then the, then the other guy goes, I love how the melody doesn't unresolve itself. I'm like, Oh, shut the fuck up. Like they took me That's out of a the little show. Much. They took me out of the show because of how, uh, how, uh, much of a douchebags they were being. So yeah, I had to try to, uh, to drown them out because they were really annoying me. Like we're both big music guys, but yeah. I can say I've never sounded like that at a concert. That's right. It's just unnecessary. I don't know. Now I understand the irony because I'm about to talk about fool's gold for 20 minutes. Like I understand <laughs> that there is an irony there, but yeah, I'll never say that seventh chord in fool's gold was amazing. And the melody was never unresolved. Like how cool. Like I'll never say that kind of bullshit. Well, 
I I went to a show as well. Yes, uh, you did between yeah. the last couple episodes or last episode and now. Yeah, and I'll t- I'll talk about it more when I get into my song. But yeah. I do distinctly remember at one point during one of the acts, turning to my friend Sasha, who was there, and saying, "Wow, the audio mixing is fantastic! Right? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the engineers doing an incredible job with the the mixing and the levels." And so, you know, you know I can't I say know. my hands are are clean. I don't know if I ever told you this. I went to see Coldplay years ago here in here in Brisbane at Suncorp Stadium and it angered me how good the sound was um because when you play a stadium show sometimes the sound goes in and out depending on the you know wind and you know space and stuff like that but the sound was like I was in a club it was so good that it angered me how how good how good the sound was like I could hear you know sometimes when you're at a show and the singer says something I was like I have no idea what he just said yeah yeah but I could hear every syllable every every cowbell, every like, you know, guitar stroke, I could hear it all. Then it was, I just remember getting really angry how good it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I feel like when you're in an act like Coldplay, you have no excuse though, to not have your shit engineered that well. Like you play stadiums almost every other night. I feel like you've you've got to just have it down at that point. Yeah, it was one of the best shows I've seen, which is, you know, I, I like Coldplay as much as I like any band. But yeah, I didn't like it angered me how good it was. Yeah, I didn't want them to be that good. I saw Coldplay on their last major tour, uh, mm-hmm. 2017, I think. Yep. And yeah, they used to be my favorite band for, for a good while before high school and incredible concert. Yeah. Like they get they catch hate uh, for being sure. a poppy rock band. But uh, they they were fantastic. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, good band. Um, I, they put on a hell of a show. So yeah, uh, and my other story is that you know I'm a my day job is a school photographer, and one of my favorite things to do is I go to a lot of special schools, and I photograph uh, you know kids in wheelchairs or kids that might have some some difficulties. And I was photographing the students, and everything was fine. And he posed my photographs. I took two photographs, and everything was fine. And then he lunged at me and threw a punch and punched me in the shoulder and tried to rip my shirt off. And then grabbed my arm to bite me before he was uh, before the the people that worked there sort of got a hold of him. So that was a that was a, a bit surprising. I've never been punched and almost bitten at work before. And they say being a photographer is not a dangerous job. It's yeah, that's that's wild. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, wow. He was you know he was probably like fourteen, fifteen, so not like the strongest kid in the world, but. Um, yeah, when 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 a student lunches at you, sort of don't know what to do, and I sort of put up my arm to protect myself. And that was the arm he tried to bite. So, yeah. Was he Uruguayan by any chance? No, he was. I don't believe he was, but there was a Brazilian there because I was talking Portuguese to the Brazilian kid. But I oh, don't nice. think he was. I don't think he was Uruguayan. Okay. As, you know, because there was that famous um, Liverpudlian striker that likes to, to bite people from from Uruguay. So, yes. Yeah, just wondering if there is a connection there. Yeah, maybe there is a. <laughs> yeah, maybe there is a connection. Yeah, but El Matador never bit anyone, as far as I know. Well, I'm, I'm glad you escaped relatively yes. unscathed from it that took, incident. It, it took me a second to, you know, just compose myself again because, you know, I, someone tried to bite and, and throw a punch at me. But after that, I was fine. Yeah. They apologized. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you, like, you can't control a, a student who, you know, that I don't know if he had autism or, or what uh, difficulties he was having, but he was having a bad day and took it out on me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just weird because you never go to work expecting to be uh, bitten. Unless you're like, unless you're a wrestler or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or a dentist, I guess. Or a dentist. Yeah. That could be, that could be a a hazard. Yeah. 
other than that, you're not waking up and thinking that being bitten is in the cards for you. So no, I, that would be jarring. Normally. Yeah, not normally. Um, are you ready to get into some music? I am. All right. So let's listen to uh, Fool's Gold by the Stone Roses. And I want to hear your take on it because this is one of my favorite early Britpop songs from the 90s. So uh, Darren, just hit play on Fool's Gold. So there was the beginning of Fool's Gold by the Stone Roses, another band from Manchester. So we're going to sort of leave the Manchester sound after this song, because I think this is a good representation of what the early Manchester sound was like. And I want to hear what you thought of Fool's Gold. Well, let me start by saying it's really funky, trippy stuff. And the beats on here are fantastic. Uh, Again, very hip hop-esque to me, just in Mm -hmm. terms of the break beats and and how that was done. So really easy to vibe to and just nod your head to and have a good time listening to yeah. it. Uh, so yeah, I really enjoyed that. But I feel like it's a bit too long. Mm. Like just a little bit. It's what, 12 minutes, 10, 12 minutes? So you, oh, okay, okay. So you listen to the extended version. There is a single version that's not that long. Oh yeah, I've only been listening to like the 12 <laughs> minute version. Okay, yes. Uh, Darren, how long is the single version? Uh, four minutes, 15. Oh my goodness. That sounds way better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I, uh, sorry. Yeah. You should listen to the single version. Yeah. You listen to the extended mix. Yeah. Yeah. It it never kept my attention for the full, for the full Um, runtime. And I'm guessing you weren't on drugs when you heard the song. No, 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 no. Club, so. Stone cold sober. Um, yeah. And I was like, is my attention span just shot? Like, am I, is that, is that it? Can I not listen to long songs anymore? Yeah. Because I don't, I don't know if you've heard the extended version recently, but there's not much no, change not. or switch up. It's the same no. thing. No, there's not. <laughs> so, so that's I would why just the, be, the single version is much better to listen to. I would just be tuning in and out. And yeah. Like I would tune out tune back in two minutes later and think oh nope same thing it's just the same thing happening yeah and um yeah i i feel silly now because the single version i would have enjoyed much more than this yeah the the, the melody literally didn't unresolve itself in the 12 minute version not once not once <laughs> no yeah okay so let's talk about aspects of the song that you like so um let's let's talk about the guitar sound with that wah wah pedal how good is that sound yeah, yeah, it's phenomenal. Uh, yeah. There's so many good displays of musical talent all over the song. Yeah, it, it's funny. In doing research, I love doing research for these podcasts because you find out things about the band or the song that you didn't know. And one of the this, the first concert that Stone Roses that ever did was an anti-drug benefit concert. And I don't know if there's a band that's benefited fr- from drugs more than the Stone Roses uh, because they were definitely in that Manchester drug scene, going to the Hacienda and listening to sort of like the 12 minute club mix of, of the song. So that made me laugh. I was like, wow, an anti drug song. Okay. That's some fantastic irony. Yeah. And when I was looking up uh, the song, I saw it being tagged with the Acid House genre. Yeah. I've never sure. heard of Acid House, but yep. I'm assuming it's because, well, 
a subgenre of house music, like club dance music, specifically with the intention of like you listen to it on LSD or preferred right. to listen to on LSD. So let's let's talk about the English language and how stupid it is at times. Um, the fireplace, that's the place where fire goes. Um, the sidewalk, that's where the side of the road where you walk. Uh, acid house, you're in a house and you take acid. That's about it. So it doesn't have anything to do with house music? Oh, yeah. That's what, it's like, it's all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay, so you, okay. Yeah, it's, it. yeah. So it's it's all related to that kind of stuff. Yeah, you have to be on drugs, sort of. The acid house, yeah. For 12, especially for the 12-minute version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I feel like when if, if you're on drugs listening to that, you would lock in and sort of like... You, you just would really dance. get entranced yeah. Yeah, to the song. Um, Stone Cold Sober, as I've been listening to it, like I said, I, I was just tuning in and out. Uh, and it's, it was so tough for me. It was such a weird um, dissonant thing where yeah. I really enjoyed the music, but I never really wanted to listen to the song in its entirety. Okay, so for for the listeners out there, if you're sober, listen to the, the, the single version. If you're on, If you happen to be on drugs maybe skip to the, uh, the 12 minute version. Yeah. I'm sure it would be really good in that yeah. scenario. Depending on what drugs you're taking, I guess. Yes. Yes. Mushrooms, probably the 12 minute version might be, yeah, it might be so. good for you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry you had that experience because it's an amazing song. It, it is. It, it, <laughs> it is, but it's not at the same time It's so yeah. confusing for me. Yeah. And I was ready to come in here and talk about, uh, the differences in, in how I consume music versus how music used to be consumed mm. and how modern attention spans aren't built for 12 minute songs. Yeah. So it doesn't play for me now. No, it doesn't. Uh, no. Yeah. And it um, turns out I was just listening to the wrong version. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. I like that. Yes. Um, so one of their first shows, there's two very important people in there in the audience, uh, Noel and uh, what's the Liam Gallagher from Oasis were, at one of their first shows and they saw these working class people on stage. And that's what they thought we can do this. You know, they look like uh, Oasis said that the stone roses look like people they, they were friends with. They looked like them. So they, this is where Oasis sort of started was from a, from a stone roses gig, which is kind of interesting as well. That's really cool. That's a great yeah. piece of trivia right there. Yeah. Um, the Manchester scene was very working class. Uh, Manchester in the late eighties, early nineties was a was a very downtrodden city. It's, I think it's changed a little bit now. I think it's more of a metropolitan city now, but especially in the sort of um, you know the Iron Lady uh, decade, the Margaret Thatcher years of uh, England, uh, there was a lot of um, austerity measures going on. Uh, there was a lot of like garbage strikes. Uh, you know, there was a lot of protesting. Uh, workers going on strike, especially the working class. So I think Manchester and Liverpool and towns like that, like working class towns would really have suffered in the late eighties, early nineties. No doubt. And what happens, what has been studied and found to happen in areas experiencing economic downturn and and crisis is drug use goes up because people have to cope with their shitty reality somehow. And drugs become an attractive alternative. Yep. And that's the Manchester scene. That's the early '90s in, in Manchester. Um, the you know the acid house phase, the uh, the house the house phase, the going to clubs and with drugs in your pacifier. That all started um, you know in that scene. I'm not gonna lie. Listening to this song, I, I had to do some research on my own to see if I was missing something. Mm. <laughs> 
like why this song, why you chose it, like why it's 12 minutes long. And so I was like doing some Wikipedia browsing and I, I went on one of those nice Wikipedia rabbit holes and I ended up on the the Hacienda page, uh, the nightclub in Manchester we've talked about. And I did some reading on that and uh, yeah, what a cool story. And um, interesting that MDMA was the drug of choice. Yeah. That seemed to be like what most people were taking at the time. Yeah. And uh, I learned that when one, like essentially one girl died, I think one underage girl died and then like club shut down for a while. Yeah. I think forever. Um, or maybe it came back. The, I don't know. Yeah. The, uh, the Hacienda lasted probably five years, maybe um, as most scenes do. It, it, it gets, um, it gets too much. And then you sort of get the art scene and, uh, you know, and I was, and I was going to talk about this next week, but let's talk about it now. What we're listening to is the early nineties phase. So you get the art students, you get the working class people, you get really desperate people making this amazing music. Like, you know, even if you could look at what's happening in America with like grunge and Nirvana and Pearl jam, these people don't have a choice. Like they're trying to make a musical music career cut to the late nineties where the frat boys then start coming in and you get bands like corn and limp biscuit um, puddle of mud. You get these really hardcore bands that come in that sort of pervert what the grunge scene was about. While there was anger in the grunge scene, a lot of that was towards the government themselves, uh, their position in society. And then you get these frat boys that come in. Limp biscuit is the best example I can give you where they're just angry and they want to hurt people. Right. And that was ne- and that was never the ethics of the early '90s scene. Um, there's a great documentary right now on Netflix about Woodstock, Woodstock of '99. Uh, I recommend everyone to watch it if you want to see what the late '90s, what the music was like in the late '90s. Uh, Kid Rock was huge. Just put that perspective. He, Kid Rock was one of the biggest acts in the world. Kid Rock is shit. <laughs> Limp Biscuit is awful. Um, so these were the bands that were making all the money. Um, and what they did during the Woodstock tour. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a really eye opener of what, of how bad music got say like after 96, 97. And what do you think the reason is for that? Like you say that it was the, the frat boys, that type of crowd that mm. started getting, being the musicians that were popular, but what do you think the underlying causes of that sure. shift? Yeah. Um, alternative music was alternative. And then because of the success of Nirvana it became mainstream. Then you had all these young men that had young men have a lot of anger issues. Um, you know, uh, I go to a lot of schools and, and see boys and they're constantly beating each other up or taunting each other or throwing things at each other. It's, it's, it's just what a lot of young men do. And you get into that mochismo and that, you know, you just bring over the anger where, you know, the, a lot of the early grunge stuff was all done by nerds, right? Like the, you know, they were done by people that were picked on by, by the music that came out in the late nineties. So it, once it shifted to the mainstream, the music just got just watered down and watered down and, and a different version of it started to come out in the, in the late mid, like it started in like the mid nineties to the late nineties. Got it. That's, that's really interesting. I find that fascinating. Yeah. Just the, the shifts in demographic and, everything you just described that creates yeah. a different sound of music and, and dilutes it. Like you said, that's crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, well, I would love thinking about that more, like really interesting. Well, you heard like you've, you've said you've liked a band called Sonic Youth. Yeah. 
there's no more alternative sounding band than Sonic Youth. Like they've never written, they've written probably one single that'd be considered a single. And they were closing like big festival dates. Um, it's just, should Sonic Youth be closing festivals? Probably not. They should be in a club somewhere with like-minded people, but they're closing a festival of like 30,000 people and everyone knew who they were. Like the alternative just, it, it exploded into the mainstream and it was cool, but it just brought so much anger and so much stupidity from, from, from the mainstream, unfortunately. Huh. And that, that Woodstock documentary, I have been meaning to watch that. Is it is that, amazing. Is that the Woodstock where DMX performed? If he did, he's not mentioned in, in, in the episode. Um, okay. what is, what is more mentioned in the, in the documentary is the, the choice of bands that they had, um, like the corns, the link biscuits, the, the, um, kid rock and how the show just kept getting amped up and, and the anger kept, kept increasing and they had no control over the food and the water and how the vendors charged whatever they wanted to. And you weren't allowed to bring in food or water into the, into the gig and the vendors just charged whatever they wanted. Um, like they were charging like prices now for water back in 1999. So Damn. it was like five, five bucks a water bottle or whatever it was. And they chose an air force base. So there was no grass. So everyone was just on concrete and it was really, it was, it was really, really hot and there was no shade and no shelter. And it just got the anger just kept getting bigger and bigger over the three day festival and uh, till the end. And you'll have to see it because it is amazing. Yeah, I'm definitely going to give that a watch. That sounds intriguing. Yeah, because the organizers were the same guys who did the 60s Woodstock. And they th- literally thought that the ethics from the 60s was going to continue. And it did not. <laughs> it really didn't. Yeah, that's that's some naive thinking. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just not the same time. It wasn't the same time at all. No, no, not at all. Yeah. So if you're listening to this podcast, please go check out the uh, the Woodstock 99 Um documentary on netflix it's it's pretty cool yeah yeah um that's i don't think there's really anything else to say uh, i think again this shows a, as a good example of what music was like in the early 90s especially the english music it, there was definitely going for more melody more vibe uh where the american side of things was definitely going for like a crunchier grungier as the name suggests grunge sound and it didn't really I mean, there's a little bit of grunge coming out of England, but that was a little bit later. The early 90s was definitely about this kind of groove. Yeah, and to me, it feels almost like the American sound is more about uh, venting about their harsh realities and, and existences. Yeah. But the, the British sound was more about escapism and trying to yeah. uh, not think about that as much. <laughs> so Instead, the Rose- let's take drugs and dance. Exactly right. And the Roses signed a really unfair record deal. And um, they didn't put out another album for five years, I think. So you can imagine your debut album is this huge shift in sales truckloads. And then you don't write another album for five years as a brand new band that kills you. Yeah. And that's, and that killed the roses as well. Um, so they fought um, the record company and they eventually got out of their deal. And then they got uh, signed to Geffen records for a ridiculous amount. And at the time Geffen records, had two bands that were selling a lot of records. Uh, first one being Guns N' Roses and the second one being Nirvana. So they gave them a really big advance. Um, and 
told to make a really cool album. And then Kurt Cobain killed himself. And so Nirvana was not going to make any more records and Guns N' Roses broke up. Um, so a lot of pressure was then put on the stone roses to release their record. And, uh, it's a really bad record. Some people love it. Uh, I think there's the, the lead single is amazing. It's one of their best songs, but the album itself, I could never listen to it. It it just does not have the same vibe as, as the first record. Damn. That's a real shame. Yeah. And uh, that was it for the roses. Like they've come back. They'll get back together every once in a while and do a tour and stuff like that. But as far as I know, they've never really, other than maybe a song or two here and there, they've never released any other music. Damn. Yeah. So money again ruins uh, another band. Yeah, money and just unfortunate circumstances with the breakup yeah. of Nirvana and Guns N' Roses and all that. Yeah. So it was um, it was just an unfortunate set of circumstances. They signed that really bad record deal, fought fought to get out of it for years. And then just things beyond their control forced them to release an album that shouldn't have been released yet. What can you do? What can you do? But at least we've always got Fool's Gold, especially the 12-minute version. (laughs) Well, on this album, there's another song called I Am The Resurrection, uh, which is amazing. And that is, uh, that's that's about an eight or nine-minute song. Um, And I used to know a DJ who used to work at 102.1 The Edge, and she used to love putting that song at night on a night because then she go on, she could go on a break and smoke a cigarette or whatever. So it uh, goes back to one of those uh, DJ things, uh, Indigata Davida, which was, we talked about yes. earlier in the podcast where it allowed DJs to go and have a bit of a bit of a snooze or a break. That was uh, I am the resurrection was definitely that song. Yeah. Even DJs need to need to have breaks. <laughs> they need to have a bit of a smoke break. Yeah. They need to go for a smoke. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I would say maybe go back and listen to the single version. I think I have to just to yeah. do it justice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah, the 12 minute version is uh, that's uh, yeah. It's, it's just the, uh, there is no change in the 12 minute version. Far too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you said that, I was like, it's not that long. It's, I was thinking, I was thinking, man, it's like, it's only a four minute song. And then you're like, it's 12 minutes. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I made a mistake for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Darren, what did you think of uh, fool's gold by the, by the roses? Yeah, not for me. No, didn't didn't like it. Nope. Okay. Um, I think we're going to get into your song, and I'm really intrigued on uh, on why you picked the song. Because I let me say it straight, it, it surprised me, and I, and I really liked it. But I'm I'm sort of curious on 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 why you picked it. Well, the main reason I wanted to go with this song uh, was because I just saw Angel Olsen uh, mm. about a week ago. She was one of the acts at the concert. It was her. Uh, Julian Baker, who we did relative fiction on this podcast, yep. and Sharon Van Etten. And mm. it was a phenomenal concert. All three of them were amazing. And yeah, I was just listening to a lot of Angel Olsen in the lead up to the concert. Uh, this is probably my favorite song by her. I don't mm-hmm. think it's her best, but it's my favorite. And um, yeah, I just thought it was a cool sound that I haven't really gone into much on the podcast. So right. Um, Darren, why don't you just hit play on Not Gonna Kill You and we'll get it into it some more. My watch is
so as I said, this is one of my favorite songs by Angel Olsen. It's off of her third album, My Woman, from 2016. And uh, yeah, I I love this song, and you mentioned you liked it, so mm. give me your, your brief thoughts on this. I, I didn't really know... No, that's not true. I kind of expected with a name like Angel Olsen, and this is really bad on my part, expectations being what they are. Maybe with the, with the name like Angel, I thought it was going to be like a much poppier, dreamy kind of song. And it really surprised me in how it wasn't that. It was much more like a, like a link to like a P.J. Harvey, where it had a lot more grit and a lot more passion than, um, you know, some of the dream pop stuff that you got and listened to. I thought it was going to be more that kind of music. And when it started, it really, yeah, like I said, it really surprised me at how it, it wasn't that at all. And there was so much grit to it. I loved it. I'm I'm really glad you loved it, and yeah. I will say that she does have songs that fall more into that dream pop, dream rock mm. sound. But she, Angel Olsen is very uh, she's very diverse. She's got a really diverse range of sounds yeah. in, in her music. Uh, she has an album that's um, essentially just all strings, really string mm. work and, that's, that's and stuff cool. like that. Really minimal percussion. Mm. Uh, and she's only gotten more introspective and personal. That's one of her hallmarks is uh, really vulnerable yeah. songwriting. Yeah, it's, I find she makes really good, gritty, mature music. And right. I think she's got a phenomenal voice. She does. Uh, so you said you saw her in concert. Where was she playing? So the, the three of them were playing at Massey Hall. Oh, that's where you did say, say that to me. Yes. Yeah. So what did you think of Massey Hall? Uh, beautiful venue. I saw Beach yeah. House there in July. Uh, right, that right. was the first time I was at Massey Hall. Yeah. And yeah, I was really happy to go back. It's It just recently got renovated, uh, refurbished and everything. And I had never been before the upgrades, so I, I can't say what it used to be like. But yeah. it's a really, really solid venue. I, I would yeah. love to go back there. I always loved um, Massey Hall for the sound. I thought the sound was, was really beautiful and rich. Yeah, well, maybe that's why I thought the sound mixing was <laughs> <Right>. so good. <laughs> the engineer is doing a great yeah. job. Maybe it's just the acoustics of the venue. And I think from Instagram, you're up in the mezzanine. Am I, am I right when I say that? Yeah, yeah. I was. My friend Sasha was generous enough to give me uh, her extra ticket for free. So yeah. that's where we were. We were up there, and yeah, it was great. Great view. I, I like me- like when you're in a club and there's a mezzanine section. I like being in the mezzanine section. Yeah, no, it's always nice to. It's more laid back up there, more so about just spectating yeah. and enjoying. Yeah, yeah, it's um, the view is fantastic. There's usually not a bad seat in the house, and um, yeah, I don't know. There's something about seeing the crowd on the ground get into a song. Uh, for me, uh, maybe it's the photographer in me. I don't know, but I like the visuals of seeing the band. Um, playing with with a lot of people really enjoying the show on the ground and and maybe it's the mental pictures i have in my head i don't know but i really like being up in the mizzen for sure yeah it was a really great concert and what struck me most about uh, seeing her live after listening to the studio recording so often is uh, how impressive her range is her vocal range Mm -hmm. that really stood out live I'm not sure what it is uh, about seeing the music perform live that made it stand out more, but yeah, yeah, just really, really impressive stuff. And she's really funny, really cool. Um, all three of them, all three of the ladies that performed were just phenomenal. Did such, such an excellent job. 
<clears throat> and uh, she didn't play this song though. I was a little disappointed. Oh, that, that is yeah. a shame. Maybe it's bad when they don't play your favorite song. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't make the set list, but what mm-hmm. can you do? That's life. Yeah, you have to see her another another gig to see if she'll play the play the song. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Angel Olsen's upbringing uh, because it's pretty interesting. Mm. So she was born uh, in St. Louis, Missouri, Mm -hmm. and at the age of three was adopted by foster parents Mm -hmm. uh, with a really significant age gap. So Angel Olsen was born in 1987. Mm. Her adoptive father was born in 1932, and her mother was 1943. Right. So a little bit of an age gap there. And yeah. Um, yeah, when I when I learned that, it kind of helped me understand her music a bit more because yeah. I've always found her to be really introspective, philosophical. And I wonder if that comes from just having older parents. It could. I don't know. It could. Strangely, your grandparents were of an age that was quite skewed a lot older to have children. I think... I think my dad was born in 1924. Uh, I think I'm getting that age, that age right. So if you think about it, he potentially could have served in World War II. Um, it, it, that, that's kind of mind-blowing that my father was of the age where he could have been a soldier in World War II. That is pretty wild to think yeah. of. Yeah. Right. So that's that's kind of nuts. Um, and I could be getting that, that, that age wrong. Your dad will comment uh, if, I'm, if I'm completely wrong. Maybe he was born in the 30s. I don't know. But uh, it's, it's um, you know, as growing up with someone with an older father, he was 49 or 50 when I was born. It's interesting because I relied much more on your dad and, and your your other uncle Lou as, yeah, as father figures for sure, but uh, energetic father figures because right. yeah. um, while he was definitely my father, he wasn't teaching me how to ride a bike or, you know, playing softball with me or, you know, kicking a soccer ball with me. He just wasn't that kind of, that kind of guy. And I relied on, on your uncles for, for those things. Yeah. Well, see, that makes me think then more about Angel Olson's upbringing and how maybe, and she, she was an only child to this family. Um, I understand. Mm. And so, yeah, maybe she wasn't really playing much sports and it was more about sitting in the living room, reading books and, and talking That's... about them and, and things like that. So I guess that would make you, when you're an only child and that's all you have in yeah. the house, that would probably make you a bit of an old soul from the yeah, start. Yeah, well, I, I did a lot of that. I read books and books and books and stayed in my room and listened to music. And yeah, so I can relate definitely to that as having older parents. Yeah, and this song in particular, it's about, it's actually one of the more straightforward, uh, one of the less esoteric songs in her catalog. It's pretty simple about, having fear and anxiety of something that you know you got to do in the future and then mm. angels and just being like hey it's not going to kill you it's going to be fine just go for yeah. it take that leap of faith it's going to be all good uh, so yeah pretty cool message i think but she's got some really vulnerable uh songs songs nice. with super intimate songwriting that's really cool and i was thinking about this one of my favorite genres of music that i don't really acknowledge enough for how much i love it is um what's called on like twitter and gen z spaces sad girl indie rock yeah sad, i know it. sad girl guitar indie rock yeah i know it yeah <laughs> uh so your pj harvey's your that type of stuff for... liz fair pj harvey yep 
And I think it's just because I prefer how women articulate uh, introspection in music Mm -hmm. and how women talk about their experiences and feelings and emotions. I find it's just a lot more vulnerable and and open than a lot of male songwriters. Well, if you look at the genre of hip hop, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's more about flexing um, how good you are, how, how, how much money you've made or how many drugs you've sold or whatever the flex is that your particular song is about. And that is not um, an experience that a lot of women have. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. It's, it's a very few hip hop artists that uh, actually are vulnerable in their writing and are mm. quote unquote conscious rappers. Yeah. Uh, but even in, in indie rock, like, yeah, I love the national. I love uh, Bonnie Vare. Who act, mm. The two have a song together, by the way. Quick, oh, quick okay. side okay. note, National yeah, Bonnie cool. Vare song coming out. Wow, that'd be depressing song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the most part, I, I, don't, I find that I just connect really well to this type of music from a female perspective. Mm. Um, as an introspective person myself, I'm a bit of an introvert. Um, and it's funny, I thought about this the other day. I chose a profession that I could do entirely by myself where I don't need anyone's like if you're a landscape photographer, or wildlife photographer, or a macro photographer, uh, it's a profession that you literally could not have contact with anyone. Um, so I picked a very introspective profession. I think Darren, you're the same too. Like you like taking pictures of still, still subjects and, and things like that. So I think me and Darren are similar in, in that. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah. Anything to do with out humans involved. Yes. <laughs> that, <laughs> You know, because, you know, next thing you know, they're punching and trying to bite you. Um, exactly. It's a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. Uh, yeah, as, as an introspective uh, person myself, I always appreciated that that type of music. Um, it, it must be, I wonder if it's hard for her to go on stage talking about that kind of stuff. That'd be an interesting thought experiment, I guess. I can only imagine that it would be because all three of the artists that played at this concert uh, all make very emotional, vulnerable, mm. sad music. There was actually a, there was a, uh, I believe it was a tote bag at the merch stand, and it said, uh, it read on the on the bag, "I went to the Wild Hearts tour, and all I got was sad." <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah that, so that, that that's that good merchandising. Like five, so. Yeah, no, I like that. Cool. Yeah, and yeah. Um, she's been compared to the Cure, the Cocktail yeah. Twins, and Sushi and the Banshees. Okay, uh, cool. Rattle those comparisons off uh, about yeah. her, and what do you think about those comparisons? Obviously, yeah, this is I, only one sample size. Yeah, but... um, I picked up Liz Fair and PJ Harvey. I don't know if you know Liz Fair, but she was a another singer songwriter from like the the nineties who had very introspective music herself. Um, yeah, that's who I picked up. Uh, those two artists were the first ones that I thought of. PJ Harvey, I definitely uh, thought like yeah. As I listened to it. Uh, in preparation for this episode at one point in the week i listened to the pj harvey song that we did on on here and i thought oh yeah that's pretty similar to angel olsen so yeah yeah i couldn't Uh, agree more with that it's funny you say that because that's exactly what i the same thing that i thought when i heard the song for the first time yeah and Mm. uh one last interesting tidbit about angel olsen is she started um getting interested by punk rock that was mm. her first like musical genre that she was really into. She wanted to learn how to make punk songs. Uh, and then she got really into Christian rock right mm. after. Somehow right. she went from punk rock to Christian rock. Yeah. Played in like Christian rock band from a punk rock band. 
Mm-hmm. And then I guess somewhere along the line, that turned into this type of music. Right. Which, yeah, I find it weird to, or not weird, but intriguing that she came from two very opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of message and energy. Yeah. And landed on a be. really introspective guitar driven sound. I think a lot of introspective people question their mortality and uh, their place in life. And maybe that leads them to religion because that's again, a very thing you can do by yourself and, you know, find out your morality and, and things like that. So maybe it was, was down that road. She was uh, trying to figure things out. Yeah. Could be, could be. I think yeah. it's gotta be something along those lines too. Yeah. Um, no, it really, the song really surprised me. I, I was expecting a much poppier sound. Um, I think, you know, with a name like Angel, that sort of confused me. And I think you sort of said something similar when you when I played you Iggy Pop. You were expecting more of a pop song, yes. Instead of instead of what you got, yeah. It's funny how we we have such uh, biases based on names and and stuff like that when mm. we see. Yeah, it's very interesting. This is certainly not a pop song uh, nope. at all. I. Uh, I will say it's definitely one of her more accessible songs. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why it's my favorite, very replayable. Yeah. It's not a very uh, mainstream poppy song at all. It's really uh, guitar driven and heavy. And towards the end, it gets uh, pretty experimental just in terms of what she's doing with her vocals. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I thought you would, I had a feeling you'd like this one and I thought it'd be a nice break after doing so much hip hop in a row to mm. throw in something completely different. And it was very different. Um, indeed. I was going to ask you also, uh, when she was performing live, was it like by herself? Was there a band with her? How, how was the song? How were, how were the songs performed? Yeah. Full band, full band. Okay. Yeah. Cool. No, I really, I really dug it. It was a, it was a song I was not expecting, which is always nice. Yes. And Darren, what did you think of this one? Yeah, I didn't mind this one. It was okay. Not happy, but okay. Cool. Cool. I'm glad you liked it. All right. Uh, what song do you have for me next week? Well, next week we're going straight back to hip hop because I want to tie a little bow on uh, what we did with looking at hip hop on the East Coast and how it yep. progressed. So we're going to fast forward to 2022 and look at some new rappers that are carrying that torch forward. Uh three guys under the label called Griselda. They've got a song called John Woo Flick mm. and it's by Conway the Machine, Benny the Butcher, and West Side Gun. It's, uh, it's a really fantastic lyrical rap song. Cool. I'll look forward to listening to that. And we're, this is our last song of the 90s and um, we're going to listen to Personal Jesus by Depeche Mode. So we're going to get away from the Manchester sound. We're going to go back to an established band. And my favorite song from Depeche Mode is "Personal Jesus," and I'm so awesome. that's the one you're that's the one you're gonna listen to. Um, I have plans. I have plans for you for next month. Where I I've, it dawned on me that I'm getting you to listen to a lot of accessible singles. I want to I want to shake you up a little bit. So next month we're gonna definitely get into the more esoteric. Nice and uh, songs that do not have any clean edges and are very fraying. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So uh, enjoy this song because it's going to get weird from here. Hey, remember that JPEG Mafia song, Hazard Duty Pay? I can do Esoteric. Cool. Yep. It's going to get weird. Sweet. I'm excited. Cool. Uh, Let's do This Week in Music History. This Week in Music History. All right. In 1973, we have a new number one song. Um, It's either 
the name of the band is either Stories or it's Brother Lewis. I think the name of the band is Stories and the song is called Brother Lewis or Brother Louie. Um, Darren, just hit place. We can hear a bit of it. Um, I never heard that song where I thought I'd never heard that song before until, uh, as you can hear in the chorus, as we heard the song, it's from the TV show called Louis starring Louis CK. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. I've never seen that show. I was interested in it. And he, well, (laughs) right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that, that went off my watch list. I gotta say, well, I think it's really hard to find. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know any streaming services that have that show, and it's definitely not being shown on cable. So yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's one of those shows that maybe, like the Cosby Show, may be hard to find. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yes. But so yeah, I can't yeah. say I recognize this song. Yeah, it's a cool song. Um, I don't know if it deserves to be number one, but uh, it's all right. And in the year two thousand, surprisingly, we still have Cisco with Incomplete as number one. Um, if you were living in the year two thousand. And you bought this song, um, shame on you. It's terrible. So, yeah, no, you, you uh, should see a psychiatrist. Uh, so we're, instead, we're going to listen to the number 10 song, which is a song by Rough Ends. I think it's called No More. I don't know. It's really bad. Uh, Darren, give it, a sh- give it a shake. I really hate this version of our um, R&B, you know? Yeah, it's bad. And, and we've been running through it recently. If, like yeah. last few weeks in music history, it seemed this has come up a lot. And I'm grateful that I have barely heard this type of music. Uh, it just doesn't exist anymore. Thank, it's, thank God. It's horrible. Yeah. It's really, really bad. Yeah. It doesn't really have anything I enjoy in music. I no. I like either really hard-hitting, uh, bass-heavy beats or uh, energetic delivery or cool songwriting. Yeah. Uh, this has none of that. None of that stuff. You know, it's it's funny. Like, I, I talked about how the, the late 90s music got really, really bad. And especially in the early 2000s, music was equally as bad. It's not until you started getting the, the you know, the White Stripes, um the killers that come out in a few years after this, that rock and roll sort of reinvented itself a little bit. And then you get hip hop absolutely reinventing itself in, in the, in the early knots and, in in the, in the teens of uh, 2000 in the 2000 hip hop goes through a bit of an evolution and rock and roll definitely goes through a bit of an evolution. And uh, thankfully we never have to hear, hopefully never have to hear this crap ever again. Couldn't said better myself. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. So this was a, this was a bit of a bad, bad um, section of music. Yeah. So thank God we're not around there anymore. Um, what are your plans for the rest of the week? Um, I'm going to uh, going home tomorrow over the weekend, celebrate some birthdays, my mother's birthday and everything. Uh, nice. So spend some nice time with the family and relax, recuperate, get ready for my last week of work. And it's a Liverpool menu on my Monday, I guess your Sunday night. Uh, no, my Monday as well. Okay, because it's on at five o'clock in the morning, so it must be Monday night for you. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, uh, Sunday morning, Monday night sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, whatever. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm very it's, excited. 
it's so funny how both our teams are underperformed. Like if we, if Manchester who, who haven't won a game yet, if we win, we go above you in points. I know it's weird. Uh, and because you've, you know, tied your first two games. So it's a really weird uh, time for Liverpool and United. So, Well, you guys might get the game postponed or canceled too. So why is that? Have you, uh, there's a huge fan protest. Uh, oh, planned, like a, against the owners of the team. Like they're planning on, uh, yeah, basically getting the game like postponed. Right. Is it, a huge Tra- protest. is it at Old Trafford? It is. Uh, okay. Yeah, that could happen. Well, then that could mean we get docked points then. Yeah. Yeah. Usually know. these, these games, if they're, if they're done this by fans, usually the points get docked. Yep. Yeah, so interesting. we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Darren, what are you up to for the rest of the week? Uh, just working in photography. And we're hanging out on Wednesday, I believe. Thursday. Thursday. We're hanging out on Thursday, I believe. So me and Darren have built this thing. Well, let me rephrase that. Darren's built this thing. We're going to go. There's a beach not that far from here where there's a lot of birds that are hanging out. So we're going to put this contraption up and we're going to see if we can get some birds to perch on it. We're going to put some food underneath it. And it's like it's like branches. And we're going to try to get some wild bird photography, which is going to be a lie because we're going to pretend they're in the wild, but we're really we're attracting them to this to this contraption. Well, they'll still be in the wild. They'll, they'll just be, in the be wild. lured in. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Now, um, eventually, I think, you know, my bird photography has gone a certain way that, you know, I'm going to like build a hide or, you know, ha- like there's things you can buy where you sit in a chair and you sort of put a hide above you and you sort of like look through like this. I think th- that's Angie said she'll leave me at that point because it's <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. But I can yeah, see that's when you've gone too far. Yeah, that's the, you've gone too far in the birding. Yeah. But well, we'll you're al- you're already calling it birding. You may be in yeah, too deep. Yeah, it, it could it could be too deep. That could be the sign. Yeah, yeah. But as long as you're having fun, that's what matters. Yeah, so it'd be good for uh, Darren and I to hang out. And I've been recording in the living room. Usually, I record in my studio, but my computer in the studio has been having problems. Um, so Darren's going to come over and try to fix it. So if you've heard birds in the background from my recording, that's probably because um, yeah, there's less soundproofing in in my living room than there was in the studio. But it gives you an indication of what birds sound like in Australia, I guess. There you go. Those exotic Australian birds. They're, they're really something else. Yeah. They're, I remember going home in Streetsville and I was walking to the ghost station and it was so quiet that it really unnerved me. There wasn't a, there wasn't a sound anywhere. And if you're walking in the park or walking anywhere in Australia, the birds are making such a din that it's never, ever quiet. Um, whether it's the lorikeets or the cockatoos, the, the noise is incredible, and I remember really getting freaked out at how quiet everything was, walking to the to the train station. So yeah, my, well, my dad still talks about the bird when we came to visit and we sl- yeah. stayed at your house. We, he still talks about the morning birds and how they yeah. were so annoying. It's it's the loudest thing in the world. Yeah, so um, I get woken up at dawn whether I want to or not. Like I could fall back asleep, but I'm definitely woken up at dawn when the birds start making noises. Yeah, because uh, there's alarm loud. clock. They're, they're bloody loud, yeah. Let's get into our independent artist this week, which is a band called Moral Less Right, which I think if you say quick enough, it'll be like more or less right. I think that's a kind of a, a cool a cool name they have. And we're going to listen to a song called um, MLR. I've asked them to give me a bit of a, uh, a writing of what the song is, and it's really in-depth what they've written. So instead of me reading it out and, and, and butchering what they've written, I'm going to put it in the show notes because it is a couple paragraphs long, and I think it's really important for you to read to see what the song is going to be about because it is a quite a deep song. 
So uh, let's uh, give MLR a spin. And gentlemen, we'll talk to you next week. You got it. listening to just hit play to contact your hosts peter and nick or to be featured on an episode as musical talent 
Email justhitplay7300 at gmail.com. Keep up to date with news and announcements by following on Instagram and Facebook, linked in the show notes. Subscribe on your favourite podcatcher to tune in next week for more Sonic Delights. And if you can't wait till then, check out the Just Hit playlist on Spotify, linked in the show notes. A special thanks to Braden Munch for the theme song and thank you for listening.